Hey guys, it's your crazy ray of sunshine, Rolling with Miss Community. And I'm here today with Nylon Garrett. He is my special guest today. You say they. <laughs> okay, did y'all hear that? <laughs> Nylon, go ahead and give it up. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. Howdy, y'all. Okay, guys, so we're going to get started here. Um, sorry for the late to-dos, but we have been chatting it up. And here we are, starting a little late today. So let me get on with the questions. And um, Nylon, you ready? All righty. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, how did you come up with your band name? Uh, I grew up on the Red River certified river rat. Our family <laughs> ate, ate off a trot line. <laughs> really? You know, uh, spent most of our time, you know, frog gigging, stuff like that, which I don't do anymore. I'm vegan now, but uh, grew up like eating out of the river a lot and you encounter Gator gars all the time. So, kind of tell me what a, what is a gator gar? Uh, gator gar is like a, it's kind of like a pike, uh, but it's southern. It's like a very long fish with a long snout and very sharp teeth. Oh, okay. They look really dangerous, but they're really not dangerous unless you you know kind of unless you catch one and try to take the hook out of its mouth or something. Or, okay. but they won't try to bite you. But they're very like really ugly, scary looking fish, and they can grow up. Okay. They can grow up to to like. Uh, to about you know eight feet or something like that my five six eight seven feet isn't that big a deal but like uh they're old fish at that point <laughs> my parents actually my stepdad has a bow fishing guide service or did for a while he would take people out bow fishing and they he and my mom actually pulled in the oklahoma state record gar and uh it was like 200 <laughs> 200 and something pounds i can't remember it was over 200 pounds i think or there's like like maybe 194 or something like that. And they have it mounted in their in their house. In their house. So gator guards have been a big part of my life. <laughs> like you know, and and uh, I just kind of recognized the alliteration there. You know, Nyla okay. Garrett and the Gator Gars sounded good to me. And uh, I'm a big Buck Owens fan. And, yes! and Buck Owens had like uh, that alliteration. You know, Buck Owens and his Buckaroos. So I wanted something that was kind of like rolled off. You know, I realized that this one is a little more of a mouthful than that. <laughs> I love but, it. <laughs> you know, uh, it's very, I feel that it's um, just indicative of my roots and it's fun for me. Okay. I like it. I like it. And it is a mouthful because sometimes when I say it, I'm like, no, Gary, get, wait, and, not, and I have to start. Or a, or a handful <laughs> if you're typing it in to Facebook. <laughs> That's or, very or true. Instagram. Very true. Okay, so who um, who are you inspired by? I'm inspired. I draw inspiration from wherever I can. I try to, to find it, you know, seek it out. I'm, um, you know, the easy answer uh, would be a lot of country musicians and people like my grandpa. My great, I was raised by my, my great grandfather mm -hmm. and my mother too. People like my mother. Like um, I grew up following her around and basically watching my little brothers and sisters while she did country music and bluegrass and uh, gospel. She was always in churches. My grandpa pastored churches. So I grew up with uh, a lot of just, you know, very hot to trot country musicians playing <laughs> gospel music. So that was where I got a lot of the inspiration for what I do now. But I draw inspiration from like across the board, people like, you know, from like, hardcore punk bands like Black Flag, you know, they 
were a big, I used to be in punk bands like a lot whenever I was younger. Um, to, uh, you know, even just like people who were very expressive and creative, like the club kid scene in the 90s. Mm, yeah. And like uh, stuff like, just anyone who is like an individual despite the the current, you know, like okay, yeah. that, that, that really inspires me. And um, really just, I, you know, but what it boils down to, I think one of my biggest inf- inspirations for playing music was my mom and my grandpa. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, you were, you perform at the hot dogs and hot rod gig that we have. And all of us were just so blown away. Um, Thank you. But <laughs> a lot of us didn't, well, I had already heard you cause you had already did a gig for me previous to that. So I mm-hmm. knew, but a lot of them didn't really know didn't wasn't expecting the honky tonk to come. Yeah, I experienced that a lot, and I can't say that I don't love it and lap it up every time <laughs> it happens. But like you know, it's it's something I expect now. But it's a uh, you know like I am a non-binary trans person, LGBTQ um, person, and uh, and I'm fairly like goth. In appearance, you know, like I, I'm, I, you know, I think my, you look great. My name. Oh, I, don't, I, know. I don't feel. I like know that. I look great. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, yes, <laughs> thank you. I love it. Thank you for saying. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> but it's not like the. Uh, it's definitely not what people expect when they come mm-hmm. to my show, and yeah. they, they, they're like, okay, who are these people on stage? You know, like there's this person. You know, I, I dress pretty outlandish. I, I guess I can't help but be extra. And like, I like it. Um, but whenever, you know, I had a person come up to me yesterday and they're like, honestly, just the authenticity. And I, you know, like, mm-hmm. but, you know, I pride myself in our authenticity because I did come up in real life country music. And uh, that's what, but that really surprises people. Not it, only yes. am I, not only am yeah. I a 28 year old person who is playing music that is literally twice my age. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? you're you're kicking it old school. Like yeah. you're taking it way back old country. So yeah, you know? which is which is my I mean I, on my hand here I have a tattoo that says real country music, mm-hmm. you know, on a heart. And like that's because, you know, that's one of the most sincere forms of poetry to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what Willie Nelson I think said is uh three chords and the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. oh gosh, I might, I maybe I maybe um miscrediting that quote but okay so don't quote don't call me on that (laughs) quote so you know some of your music hit when you went back to say your mom inspired you i remember growing up my mom playing when i say old country i'm talking about loretta loretta lynn yeah yeah yeah. i'm talking about buck owens Mm -hmm. um uh oh my gosh i just drew a blank george 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 jones Jones. yeah Mm -hmm. and she would play that back in the days when we had to get up and clean on Saturday mornings, she'd start, you know, with the Motown music. And I love Motown too. Oh my God. And then she'd have the country music. It was just, I mean, she taught me a lot of music. My mom did. And so, but I do remember uh, Patsy Cline, oh, yeah. all those, you know, genres that, of music that she played. That country, I liked the most, you know, because it was me and my mom and cleaning and she was singing it's- and, you know, and so... You singing a lot of that music and having a lot of music just took, just brought up memories and good memories. It's nostalgia. It's really like it's it's a wonderful gateway in time 
that we can take. And like, it's communication for me with my grandfather who's been, you know, and my grandmother who have been passed for, you know, a few years now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can, I can, you know, I have the luxury of having his guitars so I can pick up his guitar and play this music and I can have, it's like I'm sitting there with him sometimes, you know? So it's, and I think that's what people really connect with as far as, you know, when they do hear these songs, they do turn their head because they haven't heard it in so long and Mm -hmm. it takes them back to hopefully a wonderful place, but it takes them, you know, it definitely, it brings back, you know, a lot. And so people respond to that and that's, uh, I like providing that. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you enjoy most about being a musician? What do you enjoy most? Um, It's thrilling to me. It's, uh, it's the whole, I mean, it has its ups and downs, yes. Um, but the people that I meet, the fact that I get to have conversations with people like you, yourself, and uh, like- Which I'm, the, I'm so excited like, right now, so go ahead. <laughs> like, I'm excited just to be on, like, thank you for having me on so much. And uh, like, it's the, the experience. I, I talk about, I tell my partner all the time, like, you know, fame is indesirable for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, more money, more problems, you know. I don't really ever want to be rich. I'm already rich. There you go. So, so yeah. like, uh, I say that all the time. you know, like, I'm very rich, mm-hmm. you know. I don't have a lot of money. But mm-hmm. uh, but what I want out of music and what I enjoy the most out of music is fun. That's it. Like, you, it's like the good times mm-hmm. and the hard work that leads to the good times that mm-hmm. make it so much sweeter and constant improvement like that's that's mm. one thing that i love about music mm. is you can learn your entire life and still have a next page to go to in the textbook mm. you know have you mastered have you mastered you know this style of jazz like that's incredible like you're you're an incredible guitar you're you're an incredible musician mm-hmm. now learn this offshoot you know now you know not like have you will have you you know mm-hmm. mess with any like you know, dub reggae stuff, like, you know, right, you know, right, like, right. You can go forever and it's, mm-hmm. it's endless. And that's also, it's inspiring to keep going. It's funny you bring that up. I know we were chatting before we started and that's something with me. I try to stay ahead of the game, I guess I want to say. So I'm constantly trying to see what else that I can do to improve myself and what else I can get into to learn different things. So I, I, I get it, you know, I, I think it's because my mind constantly runs. Mm-hmm. You know what else I can do, what else I can do different, what else I can learn. So I'm constantly doing that myself. Um, so let's talk about some dislikes. What do you dislike the most about being a musician? Is there anything that you dislike? Um, there are plenty of things that I dislike <laughs> about being a professional, uh, an aspiring professional musician. There you go. <laughs> uh, like. Uh, you know, really, when you're dealing with any group of people, mm-hmm. there, th- those are just all complex interpersonal relationships. And you know, I've always, I've, I was told by you know a peer not too long ago that you're not gonna dance that close to somebody without stepping on toes every once in a while. So, like, you know, and also the thing I hate most about it is. What I want is to have fun and all of us to be friends and have a close conversation. And then there's also that aspect of like, I gotta do this right. And I gotta, I gotta be the boss. I gotta be the manager. And sometimes when you're playing with friends, toes do get stepped on and you know, boundaries are crossed and 
and all kinds of things. So it's, it's uh, finding a balance is the hardest thing for me. It's finding a balance between professionalism and fun. And, you know, but how are you going to keep the boat float? You know, the party boat, how are you going to keep it float? You know, <laughs> right? who's driving this mm-hmm. MF, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. uh, like, so that's one of the things I dislike. And another thing, you know, like this even ties back into what I like about it is the fact that it's such a mixed bag. This is also a thing that I like about it, but it includes something I dislike. So it's the human experience. It's like a study in the human experience when you're going from place to place and you're meeting all of these people, it's a mixed bag. You're going to meet people that you honestly like want you, you want to walk away from, Mm. you know, like you, you want to walk away from, but you're also, you know, you Mm. want to be polite Mm. and think, you know, you're, you're going to deal with people shorting you money. You're going to deal with people trying to get one over on you. Like these are classic tropes. Wanting more than what they want to pay you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And so these are classic, you know, stereotypes of the music industry because they're true True. and um but that's also i I try to look at that from you know the positive and i see it all as growth i can learn something from every person that i come into contact with but the process is difficult it's you know it's a little bit it's messy (laughs) man i tell you all right so now um i have here what's the biggest problem you've had to overcome so far are you referring to the music industry or just in life? Music industry, like what's been, you've talked about your dislikes and some of the stuff. So what's been the biggest one that you've had to overcome? Personally, um, within the music, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say the industry, but mm-hmm. within my journey with music, one of the hardest things I had to do was when I quit drinking. Mm-hmm. I'm just over three years no booze. Congratulations. It's very hard. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's, it continues to be hard. Um, but, uh, I'm better off and, uh, but one of the hardest things that I dealt with was separating booze from music. Like growing up, I was, you know, anytime we were jamming, we were partying, Mm -hmm. you know, anytime we were playing, oh, the house is bringing us free shots. Oh, free shots, shots to the stage. You know, like, can I get a, you know, like mm-hmm. you're drinking all of the time. Right. And eventually that becomes intertwined with it, with the experience. And so separating that, it was like, okay, anytime, you know, I'm mean, anytime we were at practice jam, like all of it was booze. Mm-hmm. And when you decide to quit, not everyone decides to quit with you mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. can't expect them to, and you have to, you know, you, you can't write people off. You, I mean, maybe at a certain point you can decide what's better for you and someone's presence might not be, but it's hard to make those. It's, it's like not the decision that you want to make. So you love these people and you've experienced so much, you know, like it's, it's tough quitting drinking whenever everyone else, it, because it's so, it's like the music industry is soaked in booze. Mm-hmm. It is, that is really, I, you know, I can't, I can't blame booze. I mean, really, I have a lot to thank booze for because if people aren't congregating to drink and have fun, then I don't have a show. <laughs> you don't know? have a show, my goodness. But and it's I, hard. It's, I, I, and I understand that, you know, what's good about all of this is that you stop, you know, you know why you had to stop and you've overcome all that. Yeah. You know, and so that's, that's a, that's a positive, on a positive note. Um, you can't control people. No. 
you know. You can just learn. You can just learn, exactly. Um, but you'll see me at any show that I have, uh, 90% of the time I have a water in my hand because I need the the fixation, you know, mm -hmm. like just to, I need a drink in my hand. Mm -hmm. And that's sad, but that's the water in my hand is keeping me hydrated. It's, it's, it's keeping me <laughs> hydrated, but it's also a nice placeholder for what I would, yeah. you know, what I'm used to. So, okay. Now, that was a great question. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad to know that it's been three years sober. That's great. Um, you yeah. really need to pat yourself on the back. Not sober. I still have fun. Okay. I just don't do I don't do the things that I know for a fact are bad for okay, me gotcha. at this point in time. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Oops. I know, right? Well, okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so if you could change anything um, about this industry, what would it be? Oh, um, I would it's like the, the changes I would make in the industry would mm -hmm. be, you know, ob the obvious, like it would be talent based and it would be, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be this machine that's so formulaic and so devoid of, of artistic integrity. You know, mm -hmm. people are really, they figured out what sells and they figured out what doesn't sell as much. So yeah. they they mm -hmm. look for people. Mm -hmm. If you have something that they think that you that they want, they can uh, pimp you out. Pimp you out. <laughs> they, can, they can capitalize <laughs> on. Capitalize on. Then they will do that. But the moment that you don't sell, you're mm -hmm. gone. Mm -hmm. A lot of these contracts. I mean, I I'm not super personally experienced in contracts or anything mm -hmm. like that. I've never been signed or anything. But from listening to people who are in the industry and, and learning, um, a lot of these contracts are so one-sided. You know, you're expected to do. You're like, let's say you you sign a contract for five albums. If you if you fail to complete that contract, you're see you in court. But wow. the moment that we decide, because we our lawyers wrote in this, you know, this way, you know, talking from the music industry point of view, the moment mm -hmm. that they decide that you're not selling enough, mm -hmm. that contract. You know, throw it in the throw it in the trash and mm -hmm. see you later. You know, like mm -hmm. you know, Johnny Cash got dropped from his label, you know, like Yep. Oh my god, he's one of my faves too. Oh my gosh. He's wonderful. You know, mm -hmm. first song I ever learned how to play, my grandpa taught me how to play Folsom Prison Blues. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's my faves. So All right, so I'm gonna this is the last question and then we're gonna go to bonus question hours. <laughs> what advice would you have for someone wanting to follow in your footsteps? Don't rely on other people to do the things that you need to do. Don't wait around. If you're a musician, there are plenty of ways that you can express that mm -hmm. alone, even if you can't. That's not maybe not the goal, but don't let the fact that you don't have a band or a group of, or a scene or anything mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. don't let that hinder you from making music. There are so many outlets, you know, like let's say, you know, you're, single musician like you learn how to record yourself and do all the parts you know mm -hmm. like right, it's right. very attainable mm -hmm. if you know if you try hard work hard at it and okay. also don't don't think anything is out of your reach you know like mm -hmm. you put in the elbow grease and the hard work it's there you know you learn music that stuff doesn't change you know you learn it once and it's with you forever, forever. but really my biggest point of advice and the thing that i know for a fact has hold, held me back more than anything has been thinking that I cannot do this by myself. 
I can't, I, I'm not good enough to, to go out there and do things by yourself. But the thing is, you hone your craft, you do the work, and eventually somebody's going to notice that. Mm -hmm. And they're going to say, man, I like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And could I be a part of that? I would like to be a part of that. That's what I, that's what I found through just like putting stuff out there, even putting out short Instagram snippets and stuff. People, sure. People are like, sure. oh, and then was that you your best ask. avenue? Was that like your best avenue? When you say snippets, I see a lot of people put that out there on a story or whatever the case yeah. may be. Did that help you grow into where you are today? It's helped other people see where I'm at and in turn, I get that reflection from them. Uh, I get, I get their, their two cents and I get mm -hmm. to learn from that. And also, gotcha. and it just about like everyone needs validation, sure. yeah. you know, uh -huh. and everyone, you know, yeah. also everyone needs to fail, you know, like everyone needs to go out there and just Make the mess up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you need to put out, you know, if you put something out and people just comment and just, mm -hmm. you know, tear you apart, Try to look at that, you know, and learn, learn, from, learn from that because gotcha. it's not over. Right. You know? Yeah, it doesn't mean for you to stop. I, can, I cannot tell you how many bad shows I've had, how many bad shows, but quitting mm -hmm. has never been, you Good. know, that's Good. it. That's, Good. So that's my I, advice. And, yeah. And I, I, even for myself doing this podcast, I just threw myself into it. When I say that, it's because I felt like this is something that I could do because I had the gift of gab. I'm good at um, talking to people and being a recruiter for 14 years. I'm good at coming up with questions to talk and have these conversations. Yeah. And so, and I do, I'm going to continue, but I know there's a lot of work ahead of me that I need to do, that I need to improve on this. And some of the advice that you just gave right there makes me want to continue on doing these things. You know what I mean? You, so. you have the magic. You have the ability to make me feel, feel comfortable around you, which is one of the biggest things with podcasts. And, <laughs> Thank uh, you for that. and you have just, you're, you're very warm and you also, you know, you're, point oriented so like like exactly. you got it going it's just technical stuff after this <laughs> we'll get to that editing part it. yeah you got it though okay so now the spooky time let's go all right so which urban legend scares you the most oh, <laughs> so i'm gonna introduce i may be introducing the world to an urban legend right oh now. okay so yeah. when I was a kid, my grandfather, my dad's side, they're from Philly. And they would, they, you know, he is an incredible storyteller. We're Polish. We call him Jadek, which means okay. uh, grandfather. Okay. But so Jadek was, um, he, he was an amazing storyteller. And he would tell us at these, you know, campfires, anytime we were camping, he would <laughs> tell us these yeah. stories about uh, this, this one specific story about a woman named, quote, Fat Lady Eworth or Fat Old Lady Eworth. Oh gosh. Um, so very PC story, of course. <laughs> but long story short, this woman would uh, she would pay kids to bring her dog poop, and she would put them on her grapes, and she would grow these giant award-winning grapes. Oh wow! Right. So, but she would—that's kind of like how people knew her, and she was so large. <laughs> My goodness. Um, that uh, all, all the respect to BBWs, by the way. Okay, gotcha. And, and, and bigger people, <laughs> beautiful, you're beautiful. And uh, but she was so wide that when you open the front door, her hallway, the wallpaper was allegedly rubbed off on both sides, and uh, eventually she died. Oh. And but kids were going missing. 
Kids were going missing. Oh, I see, I see. The funniest thing about his stories was like, if you look at the names, a lot of them have alliteration because he's literally making them up as he goes. As like, he goes along? Audrey Alcott, Billy, Billy Barty or something, you know, like, oh God. it's like very, very transparent as an adult. But, um, <laughs> but at least he had those stories to give you. Yeah. yeah, so he, so these kids went missing. Uh, nobody knew what was going on. She died. They saw her being taken out, and mm. they, him and his brother, who were always the protagonists of the story, mm-hmm. they decided to go in because they were curious. They they found. Okay, I'm just going to give a disclaimer here. This does get terrifying. Okay. I, I, as an adult, the concept is terrifying to me. They go in. They find the basement. They find first a stack of cassette audio cassette tapes and a cassette player and they're all numbered and they start playing them and it's all these horrific screams and like children being brutally like tortured and dismissed. I'm eight years old, okay? <laughs> I am like eight years <laughs> old. What? So so there's this is yeah, no joke. Uh, this is uh this is one of the stories that you would tell us. So he was um so they find the tapes, they start listening to them and he would do the voices and it would keep me- On the tape? He would, he would verbally do the voice. He'd be like, ah, like- Oh my God. And like, <laughs> hamming it up, but it would scare the, the crap, crap out, out of me. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, so, but then the biggest realization was they, that after they hear a couple of these tapes, they turn to a wall and there's jars all over this, all over these shelves and they're numbered in correlation with the tape, and inside these jars are children's body parts. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> so they're all labeled and categorized. Oh my god! And like, that would freak you out. I, was I, that honestly, the first? Was that your these, first? Was that your first? That was like my. That would cause me like nightmares. Yeah, you know I was gonna I'm say. Well, like, I was gonna was ask like you. Biggest, when was your first? I guess horror movie. So I guess that would be that your first. That, like, at eight. that was what really I think seasoned me into my very well-rounded love of horror, <laughs> of horror movies and stuff was just like, I love that. You know? like, <laughs> I don't know if I could handle that at eight years old. My first- I, I didn't handle it very first, well. My first, my, my first horror movie was at the drive-in theater. I was four. Yeah. At the drive-in theater. And it what was, it? it was, uh, Ham- is it Hammerstein? Dracula back in the days with Christopher Lee, Peter yeah. Christian and all that. Yeah. So the horrifying thing was that, that, was, that didn't bother me. It's when they took off Frankenstein's skull and you saw the brain pulsating in the head. That got me, but I was four, like, Mm -hmm. right? I was supposed to be asleep in the back of the, (laughs) and of course I was not, (laughs) so that was one. And then the next one, oh God, was um, The Exorcist bothered me too. So that was another one. And it's a good one, but it it messed with me. So that that was one of the questions I was gonna ask you was how old was you when you first told anything about horror? So I guess eight years old, you were- I've always been very interested in it. You know, like um, I remember, I definitely remember being young and hearing uh, Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath off the album Black Sabbath for the first time and being like, oh my God, I can't believe music can be so scary. I want to do that. Yeah. I want to do that. <laughs> and uh, it was, I remember just getting chills when Ozzy screams. He's just like, oh, <gasps> yeah. and it's like it's incredible. But I've always I love loved that stuff. Yeah. I, you know, I'm I a big Rob Zombie fan. I almost Manchin wore fan. my Rob Zombie oh, shirt. Oh my God. <laughs> you should have. I yeah. almost wore my Rob yeah. Zombie shirt. I'm actually wearing uh, the Blob shirt right now. And that was one of the first movies the blob that I watched okay, like yeah. when I was a kid. I remember watching that, but the the remake from the eighties. Oh, okay. Still, so, it was all crazy. That's yeah. gross. But, okay. Um. 
so <laughs> if you got trapped in a scary movie, which one would you choose? <laughs> this is amazing. This is an amazing question. <laughs> Just what do I decide? Do I decide the one that I know the rules at the most, so I can be the, <laughs> so I can be the final girl? Exactly. You know, That's like if you were the final girl. You know, like <laughs> would you, yeah, how would, would that you, work? I wouldn't choose Nightmare on Elm Street oh. because f that, one hundred percent. Like, not only is that terrifying, but I don't want to deal with Freddy Krueger's little comments. <laughs> I really, you know, like I'm done. Yeah, yeah. No, I hate the character. You know, yeah. like I don't need this for me. <laughs> and. But, uh, okay, let's see. If I had to choose one to be just myself in, mm -hmm. that's so difficult. Uh, that is a very, very good question. I would have to say um, probably Friday the 13th. Okay. One of those because I know the um, I know the, the rules. Yep. You know? I know yep. the rules. All right, guys. We're at close to the end. And um, I want to ask Nyla, can you come back? We have to come back and oh, do this again. Oh, when can I come back? Yeah, we're gonna settle. We're gonna. We've got one minute left here on this podcast, and I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. But I want to have him back because we have more to talk about. Is that okay? Yeah. Totally. Okay. So here I am um, with Nyla and Garrett, and I do appreciate you coming. I, every this whole podcast is gonna be super dope when I put it out there. Thank you for me but um, I want you to come back because we have a lot more to talk about, especially with the horror and the Halloween. Oh, so. definitely. That's going its own episode. <laughs> Any last words before we wrap up? Just Nylon Garrett and the Gator Gars. Nylon Garrett, two R's, two T's, and the Gator Gars at, you know, Instagram or on Facebook. And we'll be around. See you there. All right, guys. I'm fixing to holler at you. And I will see you guys again in the streets. <laughs>